Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about the thunderous applause of the audience as you sprint towards the cornucopia. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. And today we're talking about questioning our core assumptions about how games work and replacing mechanics with audience reactions. So yeah, so this episode will be going up on the 16th. You'll be listening, as you are listening to this episode right now, on May 16th, it will be exactly to the day, one year since we released our first episode. <laughs> it's to the day? To the day. The, oh, that's amazing. The very first episode, um, which was called... Uh, Hacking the Head Off the Dragon? Hacking the Head Off the Dragon was released May 16th last year. That's that's so crazy to me, to even think. Yes. Yeah. I've had a lot of fun. And from what we started a year ago, recording in separate rooms over the internet, <laughs> uh, we've brought to now we are sitting across the table from each other with a nice recording with a lot of nicer recording equipment. And oh my God, the recording, the, the sound of the podcast, in my opinion, sounds so much better. And that is because of the support we've gotten from you guys and the, the interactions. And it's just been a wild year. I'm, I'm just so excited. It's been so nice to meet so many people. Yeah. Um, it's been so cool meeting people that like our ideas and so cool meeting people that I've looked up to as a gamer. Yeah. And had the chance to now like sit down with and talk with them and and game with them. Yeah. So I don't know where I'll throw this clip in the episode, but it's been a year and yeah. it's been a great year. It's been a better year than Modifier's first year. <laughs> is I think maybe the takeaway message. Yeah. Yeah, like definitely. Um, you should, but so you should go listen to the first year of modifier. Yeah. Uh, in order to make, so that you can tell us that it, that our first year was better than modifier's yeah. first year. And tell Meg too. Yeah. Definitely tell Meg that our first year was better than hers and that our anniversary episode was better than her anniversary episode. Yeah. 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 So, uh, let's get to the episode. All right. I have been, I've had a, f- I think we've maybe talked about this a little bit. Um, I've had some coworkers at work okay. express interest in, playing D D. okay or playing pen and paper games and they just don't know the difference yeah they want um, to play the dungeons and dragons games yes yeah. and actually i think they do want to play D D because they are okay. generally into fantasy and for a while it was like one or two people and it wasn't really we've sort of hit the critical mass of okay. people saying they were interested that now i kind of like feel obligated to uh, arrange to a it. game yeah and so on one hand we're about to start a podcast that is probably going to be working in 5th edition. And so I need to sort of incorporate 5th edition into my brain a little more. Yeah. So that when I try to think of D&D rules, I don't go back to 3.5. Um, True. And so I can see how that... And I, and I like, so I want to just play more 5th edition for okay. that. Um, and I think it's a pretty good... It's a pretty solid edition. And it's something that they can pick up on quickly. Alternatively, they a lot of them play WoW. And all okay. sort of like fantasy online games, yeah. And so, and fourth edition is is, is a D&D lot more like for, that. It's it's what is it? It's tabletop WoW for babies. Yeah. And yeah. so I can see that there is a solid argument for introducing yeah. them to that because a lot of the language in that game will is, be a little bit more similar to what they're used to. Yeah, I can see going either way. I actually really love fourth edition. Yeah, um, I do too. And part just, of what I love about it is that it is uh, tabletop WoW for I'm just babies. a little concerned about loading two different rules into my brain that so, are so similar. Here's what I think. If they want to play Dungeons & Dragons, yeah. then I wouldn't do 4th edition. Because I feel like it's 
one of the less Dungeons and Dragonsy sorts of games. Mm-hmm. If they want to play tactical combats in D anD D, Fourth Edition is not a bad way to go. Yeah, I actually really seriously considered proposing that for our upcoming game because it mm-hmm. has sort of a tactical element to it. Yeah, I, I think ultimately I'm going to have to sit down and, and sort of lay out the the benefits of both systems. Um, Dave, or my friend Dave, who is probably going to be included in this group, really thinks we should play 4th edition. Um, and I'm really leaning towards not even giving them a choice and just playing 5th edition. Because I think that that's what they want. And I think that they don't know. Okay. Yeah, I, I think really it depends what their goal is in it. Yeah. If what they want to do is play Dungeons and Dragons... Then I think 5th edition yeah. is the most Dungeons and Dragons they can get, essentially. If they want tactical combat, definitely nothing beats 4th edition. It yeah. has that on lock. Uh, if what they want to do is play fantasy RPG, then needless to say, I would say Dungeon World. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say if they're trying to recapture some of the old feel of playing as a kid... Well, they did. That Dungeon World is the way to do it. If someone has had like a good old game in history, mm-hmm. then you want to go OSR. Yeah. Something like think, Lamentations. So these guys are all unfamiliar, basically. Okay. So when they say they want to play D&D, they kind of have a rough idea. Yeah. They know it involves dice. I yeah. think that really they're not going to care too much one way or another. And I think for my own sake, I'll probably do fifth. I feel like fifth or Dungeon World would be the way to go. Yeah. And if they want to play D&D I think they want and something, you have reason to play d Some of them have expressed a desire to have something that's a little bit more crunchy. Oh, yeah. But they want the more rules because in their head, that's what, D&D, that's what like t- tabletop gaming is. Yeah. So I think that'll be... And also because I think that there is a way for a certain crowd uh, having... It's a lot easier to play D&D, even okay. fifth, pretty much any edition of D&D, um, where you are explaining the actions of a person who isn't you. Yes, that's and, very true. And do that without any role playing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that you can ease into it, but it doesn't require it as much as Dungeon World. Yeah. And so for people who are uncom- who are maybe perhaps uncomfortable with that, um, I think that'll it'll be a it'll be a better starting point. Right. The difference between I try to convince the Duke, and oh, so how do you know this piece of information? Is a really huge one, and for new players especially, yeah, that's marked between those two. Yeah, players. and I'm gonna try to get them there because I think they do. Yeah, I think they will get there. I th- I think anyone can. I love seeing pulling out creativity from new players. Yeah, and you can even like you can do things like uh, flavoring your scene. Yeah, so it'll be interesting because this will also be the first time I've run something as heavy as D and D in a while. Yeah. Um, and the last time that I ran D and D in college did not go so well. I think one of the things to keep in mind with traditional games is that balance of rules versus ruling. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'll be good at that. Oh, well, yeah, because like <laughs> with story games, you you tend to want to go with rules because the rules are written for a very specific experience. But if you're playing a more traditional game, you're playing an old school game, then it is designed with rule with making the GM making rulings yeah. in mind. Yeah. Like what's it's I think it's called rule one is the GM can make up whatever they need to make up. Yeah. My problem was never knowing the rules. It was telling a compelling story. Well, I'm sure that you can do that as well. Uh, well, we'll see. So getting into what we're going to talk about today. 
Okay. This is how I, this is something that's been going through my head recently, and I kind of want to just sort of workshop it with you, and because and, and I, I think that the game that you are working on will jive with this pretty well. I've been thinking about pen and paper games, which sounds crazy. <laughs> you big geek. But, and, and I've been thinking about, I forget what, I was having a conversation with somebody about this recently. Okay. And I'm not even positive that it was about pen and paper gaming. They were talking about something very different and you were talking about and it pen was, and paper gaming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was about, they were talking about stripping away your assumptions and okay. reevaluating things that you are doing. Okay. Um, and so I was thinking about tabletop games and all the things that we take for granted, uh, in them, things like you will play a character, you will for, for, for more or less in a lot of systems, you have attributes that represent your character and you roll dice in many games. You roll dice. Yeah. Um, as some sort of a resolution mechanic, because Mm -hmm. You have to have some sort of a random numbery resolution mechanic, right? Um, and we can challenge most of these. I think actually, so far, all of these yeah. with specific games. And so the thing that I had kind of focused in on a little okay. bit was that idea that you have to roll dice to have a resolution mechanic. Okay. Uh, and and I was starting to think about what what if if I had said if I say and and really I had even backed up further than just dice. Okay. And said, what if what if I'm not allowed to have dice or Jenga towers or tarot cards right, or no playing randomizer. cards? There's no randomizer. There's okay. nothing like that. I'm not allowed to use a mechanic. Okay. How do we do how do we tell stories? And when we hit those points where we need to have some kind of a like a conflict resolution, right. how do we do that? And I was thinking about the the audience reactions okay. in Passion. Pasión de los Pasiones. You're right. And, Which and, is my upcoming telenovela powered by the Apocalypse game. And I was thinking about how... So you use those as as a way to build stat, sort of like the equivalent of stat modifiers. Yeah, basically. On the fly. Yeah. Um, because the players are asking themselves, did the thing I just do make this type of archetypal viewer gasp? Did it make these people hug each other did it make people scared did it make them happy how did the how did the audience react so actually there's two separate systems going on okay. so i just want to clarify this real quick sure. so we can talk about it in a in the fully informed manner uh, i have questions that create mm-hmm. your stats which are things like do you have the upper hand yeah. does this person love you in this moment okay and so that's what is involved with that and that's just the player making the decision mm-hmm. yes this person is in love with me in this moment uh, the audience reaction is essentially the experience system mm-hmm. that if you are doing the thing that causes the audience reaction, okay, then you're playing on genre enough to get experience. Okay. That makes sense. I think maybe the last time I read it, it was, I, maybe I just misunderstood, but I thought that you were asking questions about the questions that you ask about the situation were also questions about the audience. And maybe at some point it was. You know what? Maybe there I are, there's a question or two that does directly involve the audience. Mm-hmm. And so I think where I, where I sort of meandered down this path okay. was if, if we're playing a game and yeah. we're asking ourselves, 
who who we're we're in this sort of telenovela pretense okay. that people are watching us like that this is a TV show and we are being watched and we are and and the the rea- the hypothetical reactions of the audience members are interacting with the game in some way right could you replace those the the player is asking themselves the question did the audience react in this way right. with an actual audience who would be who would either maybe just react the way they were they the way they as people would react okay. or maybe they've been given character sheets yeah. and said you're the the old you're the old woman you have two cats you like to go bowling <laughs> you like these things yeah. and you're not afraid to get your hands dirty yeah react in the with that in mind oh that's interesting and then that and could you replace an entire resolution mechanic with that and okay. that you have to elicit a certain number of reactions or certain reactions from specific people. That's interesting. I'm I'm starting to like in my mind I'm now because I, I we haven't talked about this yeah, before we- now. Um I'm starting to put together some different games that kind of have some of little elements of that. Mm-hmm. Golden Sky Stories, I believe, is a game where woof, this is a game that I don't have an enormous amount of background knowledge for. Yeah, sure. But you play animal spirits that turn into kids sometimes and you solve small problems that people have you're telling these very uh miyazaki movie style stories right. that someone is coming in and solving some problems and like you know there's a lot of emphasis on the feel of it mm-hmm. and so you get points essentially for being cute mm-hmm. and the way that works is someone at the table goes oh that was cute and they give you a cute point and that's like one of the driving forces in the game. That's essentially what that is. Like that's, I think almost the core mechanic even. So the entire game, what you're trying to do is be cute. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't even know if the, I don't think there's rolling in it. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't know that game. We'll have to well look enough. it up because that does sound like it's heading in the direction of what I was looking for. Yeah. That was something I was talking about with John Adamus. Creator of Noir World. Narwhal. <laughs> Narwhal. <laughs> creator of Noir World, which just finished funding spectacularly, and I can't wait to get my yeah. copy of. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, check it out. It's going to be on Backer Kit soon. Uh, but he was saying, why don't you take some of these audience reaction things and turn them into a move? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, having some things of, if someone is in a precarious situation, what if the audience just votes? Yeah. And you say like, oh, like what's going to happen? And you just yeah. vote on it. I like the idea of, of I like that. I actually think that it would be really interesting to put in some more like, um, like you could do it. So you could, you could do that. You could roll with this. Yeah. If you will. <laughs> the way that I sort of initially laid out where yeah. the players are, are playing and then mm-hmm. based and then they are able to succeed or not succeed based off of the reactions they gain okay. from the audience members. Or you could almost where, where they're sort of not aware of okay. the audience being there yeah. in that sort of TV style. But you could also do it. I don't know what kind of a game it would make sense or what kind of a story to tell that would make yeah. sense for, but you could do it in more like that way where you where literally the players call for audience reaction. Yeah. Almost like a, I was thinking like a, um, like a who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. Like ask a friend or poll the audience. That's kind of awesome. Like at any moment I need to do this thing. Should I succeed? Poll the audience. Audience says no. No. So you fail. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and I think playing with whether or not you allow the players to re- recognize and and like, sort of acknowledge that they are in a world where they're yeah. being watched would be really interesting. Yeah, well, I'm thinking just in terms of some of these, some of these kind of like arena games, mm-hmm. like uh, one shot. The one shot Twitch stream recently played Battle Dome, Dungeon Dome, I think Dungeon Dome, uh, which was about characters fighting in an arena and you could totally do all sorts of hunger hunger games style stuff that just can send things in hunger games hunger games is popular Uh, you could do a truman show game (laughs) you could do a a hunger truman show game that nobody knows that they're on the hunger games yeah yeah so like you could have the like that sort of truman show or like what's another good example of of a movie like that oh well we said the hunger games i mean you if you look at comics you've got oh wait (laughs) The Truman Show isn't like The Hunger Games. No. Okay. Did you think that it I was, was? No, I was. I okay. was making a joke with that. They, the Truman Show. I was going to say like Deadpool. Truman Show is like The Hunger. Ga- well, okay, but Truman Show is. This is actually a really good explanation of the two different ways I think you can take this. Yes. Which is that in the Truman Show, Truman is unaware that he has an audience. He's living his life. Okay. And and the audience reacts, and the GM of of the Truman of Show. Of the Truman Show. Is was responding to ratings and stuff based yeah. off of, of viewer reactions. And we as viewers of the Truman Show movie get to see the audience reacting to the things that Truman does in the show. Right. Whereas the Hunger Games, those people know they're on TV and they can ham it up for the their viewers who can actually interact with them. Right. And it's be... core, core and important to <laughs> yeah. the narrative. Yeah. Um and so I think those are the sort of the two paths you can take if you are go- if you if your goal is to remove a, me- a core mechanic right. and replace it with an audience reaction mechanic yeah w- which would be either that the players I think like we said for your for your for your game the players are not as aware they are like Truman they don't know they're being watched yes and well perhaps I mean like they're not getting live feedback yeah. But they, the character, it's the, so complicated. It's complicated because, like, the writers know that they're yeah. going for these reactions, but, like, the, the characters in-universe don't know they're being right. watched. But characters, but you, the other way you could do it is the characters do know they're being watched, like a Running Man-style thing or a Hunger... Well, there's a lot of game, game... There's a lot of movies about people being hunted on television, which is weird and says something about our society. Right, but, and I think it could be really cool to lean into some of those ideas and yeah. really play characters that are not just playing the barbarian yeah you're playing uh the barbarian that knows that that's what he's supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. and so he's playing it up in this huge way yeah and just like you know grandstanding Mm -hmm. i'd watch the heck out of that and so you and so like i used to watch a little bit of dungeon rats which was sort of a one shot was is it one shot or was it i think it's one shot adjacent it was a one shot adjacent thing um and but the way they did the way that pat ran that was mostly the people who watched on twitch could it could help they were doing things to sort of like pepper the environment and they right. were helping establish facts um and interjecting story bits but they weren't really interacting with the roles too much except that maybe if the chat was going crazy to let someone re-roll they might let them do that yeah. um and, and and i think that's i think that's a good starting place right i think that is definitely a huge way to do it and there, there's definitely other things that have done similar sorts of stuff uh, uh, Critical Role, the yeah. very popular uh, Matt Mercer uh, D&D game, <laughs> because people know about Stop, Hack, and Roll, but not Critical Role. Uh, they have had several times that people, that the chat was able to vote on what a an, an encounter would be. Yeah. 
uh, Crit Juice, which is a podcast where people get super, super drunk while playing D&D. Uh, if you are sponsoring them, you're able to give them re-rolls and things like that. Uh, and like so- someone gave them like a, a bunch of potions or something that were yeah. unlabeled and could be cursed. Uh, and so there is this like mm-hmm. kind of building field of audience-based game changers. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem to be as much n- resolution for the audience. It's not so much that the audience is making the decision as to whether something happens or not. Yeah. They're interjecting, almost like uh, Cypher-style GM intrusions. I was actually, and, and speaking of Cypher... Um, speaking of Cypher and our dear friends at the Cypher cast... Because let's just keep... Three in a row. Name-dropping three in a row. It's the name-dropping hat trick. Um, I was actually thinking that, um, as we were talking about the Hunger Games... Yeah. Having a system where you have an audience, and they are literally able to create ciphers yeah and hand them off to the gm and say give it to this player that's that's because i'm in because if because then you are the the audience the the live audience of the show of whatever this is is then themselves role-playing as the in-universe audience of the characters okay and are able to then hand off like they like when when uh this is gonna i'm going to show off how little i know about the hunger games uh, but there's there's the scene in in at least the first movie where they can get bits of healing or whatever from they can have um, their sponsors send them things yeah and and if the audience members of the this cipher game can send their 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 favorite hero sponsors yeah or uh, things yeah as sponsors it'd be pretty cool and I think you could have some fun with it also if especially if you're doing something with D and D yeah. Like, we have all of those treasure tables. It'd be kind of cool to have audience members be able to say, hey, I'm sending a third-level treasure to them. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay. And then we get to roll <laughs> right then. Yeah. Um, Collapsible boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's really interesting. I think that play. I think I'm going to definitely have to think about the sort of Truman Show, Hunger Games, running Running Man mechanic, where you have an audience... That is sort of itself an in-universe audience. I want to see that in a play-by-post. Okay. Like, if you've got players that are in a, you know, dungeon dome style thing, you could very easily have other people in the forum interject and say, like, hey, you are, because you are watching the game, maybe, maybe if you're watching the game, you post audience reaction posts. And depending upon how many audience reaction posts you do, how much you're keeping up with the game, you have different amounts of money to spend to send stuff in to kind of like encourage engagement by the audience and make the audience feel really real. Because then when you've got like, you know, Nidvarb the sorcerer in his tower watching through a scrying glass going, oh, I'll send my minions, then you've got something that feels really in-universe and really cool. Yeah. So we've sort of got... The, the the broad idea is that you can take because that there's sort of this 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 um this white whale that I'm hunting of replacing a sort of core mechanic with audience participation. Right. Like at this point we haven't really hit the resolution system. Yeah. I think there are a couple of things that actually could do that though. And I think I think one so there's the two ways that I've sort of been musing. Okay. Are the a thing that I think I mentioned the the thing that you can do with with your game where you just have 
car- p- players who are playing audience members. Right. And then based off of their reactions, you get those bonuses in game or not. Yeah. That that may not be your resolution mechanic, but you could, in theory, Absolutely. do that. Set up an applause meter. Um, yeah, that exactly. That has like a plus one, plus two, plus three on <laughs> and it. And they are then doing that. They are they are performing the role of the random uh, random number generator. Yeah. of dice or whatever. Um, the other well, and the other way is to more explicitly just ask them. And, yeah. and then then like do a poll of hands. Have you have you read Cheat Your Own Adventure? I haven't. Okay, Cheat Your Own Adventure is a very cool little game. It's a little okay. story game that is a choose your own adventure book, basically. And the way it works is when you get to a resolution moment, you go around the table and each player says, if you punch the griffin in the nose, turn to page 53. If you offer the princess your hand, turn to page 132. And then the player who was narrating makes the decision as to what page they turn to. And then that person takes over the narration. And there's like a little role thing mm. involved in it so that when you, if you fail the role, you describe the death and then go back and choose a different one. Yeah. But you could really easily do that with an audience. If you have five or six people that are like playing, you have like, you know, if you turn to page, so who's turning to page 15? And then everyone shouts out and you go, okay, 15 was the loudest. Then you go yeah. from there. Oh, that would be interesting. An interesting way to play um, Everyone is John, where you have a oh. player who is narrating what happens with the character, and then rather than having, like, replace the whole um, control bidding process. With the audience shouting out who they want to yeah. be running it. Yeah. Either, <laughs> I can see either that. Either booing or cheering or something. Yeah. Um, Clearly, be, we want this to be a noisy process. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, and before the show, briefly, we had talked about something like Ghost Court. Yeah. Which doesn't explicitly have a mechanic for the audience participation, but it is a LARP where you play a courtroom. Yeah. And at least a couple of the times, we have played some very rowdy ghost yeah. court members. I think there's a possibility that our courtrooms are a little rowdier than the average courtroom. Well, yeah, and because I, you and me are there and we're too noisy. Sure, but and I played it a couple. I played it. I played it one more time. I think than you have. I think so. I played and, golf court once and ghost court once. And I played ghost court once that wasn't during the mid- times that it, I was where it was. Well, I played it once when it wasn't midnight and all of the participants weren't drunk. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was during the day and we were in the middle of a convention hall. And so we were a little bit more quiet because we were in the middle of a convention hall. <laughs> Less shouting um, boo and making boo puns. But it was, yeah, although I tried, I tried my best, but <laughs> it was interesting to. to see that, that, but that is definitely a game where you can, you can ham it up to the audience members yeah. Uh, to get that reaction, to get the reaction, and that that reaction can sway the ju- the ju- the judgment yeah. of the judge. Absolutely, and sp- especially in that game where you're encouraged, at least uh, a couple times I've played, people have been encouraged to switch, and you might want to try to gain favor of someone in the audience, yeah, by ruling in their favor because two turns from now, two rounds from now, they might be the judge and you might be on yeah on the bench. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I I like the idea of I like the idea of playing with resolution in that way. I think there's also I mean it, it, I think it really depends what you're going for. Yeah. Well, because my goal was sort of to hit that because again, I was just sort of thinking about 
I'm thinking about stripping assumptions away. Okay. So I'm trying to come at how to deal with res- resolution mechanics in ways that aren't just get a random number generator and then do this thing. And I think that things like dread are a good step forward because they're a non, it's not really a random number generator in the way that dice or yeah. cards are. Um, there's something else that goes into that okay. that plays into the genre. But I wanted, and I, I was just thinking about this audience mechanic, and I was playing with that, um, and and I kind of got to a point where I really liked the idea that, in a way, in the way that like a, an apocalypse world GM doesn't roll dice, mm-hmm. I wanted the players to also roll, not roll dice. Okay, and then. And but that but you still need them to do moves, and you still need to decide whether or not those moves succeed or not. Yeah, and and I just liked that idea of the audience members gasping or laughing, and then using that as a way to decide whether or not the move worked. Yeah, or to what degree I, it worked. I've let me hit you with a move. Okay, because this is something that came up in a playtest of Pasión de las Pasiones that. I think might be the kind of weirdness you're thinking of. Okay. Uh, So this was basically something that happened that we had a little moment of downtime because like we had to go to like, you know, we took like a little bio break and when we came back, not everyone was there yet. Yeah. So we started just sort of chatting about what was going on with the story, which I know some people feel is really forbidden and other people really like. I personally like it. Yeah. Uh, but people started making guesses of what might happen. And because I have this really misty veil between the characters and the players from mm-hmm. Pasión de las Pasiones, I said, okay, we're making a custom move right now. And what I basically did is I said, all of this discussion that we've had out of character was now in character discussion that the audience had mm-hmm. while the commercial break was going on and then i said here's what we're gonna do if you think this is the way the show should go then tell us now and that's a plus one if you don't think that's the way the show should go then that's a z- plus zero if you super hate the show going that way then it's a minus one and then we rolled 2d6 mm-hmm. and we handled it exactly the same way hmm. that it was like uh on a 10 plus you were right and we're aiming towards a happy sort of situation. On a 7 to 9, like, basically on a 10 plus, uh, your OTP made it. Yeah. And we get to see the two characters be happy together. Mm-hmm. On a 7 to 9, you, you know, the romance is continuing on, but there's a complication. And on a 6 minus, <laughs> hold on to your seats. Yeah. This episode is going off the rails. Yeah, and, and I like I like that, and yeah. and, and sort of where I had sort of where I have I have gone sometimes thinking about this is doing that basically, but maybe without the role where you're just adding up the pluses and minuses. Yeah, about I think how you totally about could, them. and also maybe even going so far as to give those players, uh, if presuming assuming in this situation that those players who are making these number plus or yeah. minus calls are audience members and not the players yeah i mean um, if it was an audience you could just say you could just turn to the audience and say oh all of that discussion was the audience watching yeah hey is that what happens yeah and just have shouting occur yeah 
or yeah and but you could also like i was th- where i was going with that was you could give them give them the roles of the grandmother or the the father the stern father or whoever it is that's viewing right um to give them characters to play that's absolutely also true it would be interesting I'm just following a weird brain thing here. That this, that this entire of. episode is a little bit following weird brain things, and I think that's uh, okay. Yeah. So I guess our audience will let us know. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I wonder if you couldn't. So you're playing a genre game. Okay. Like where that like like your game where you're heavily playing into a genre. Right. Um. And I wonder if you couldn't do something like issues. Okay. Issues, the uh, upcoming game from Ninth Level Press, which is about creating the comic continuity of a publishing house. Right. And in that game... I'm getting good at these you are. I'm and it's getting good snappy and quick. I am so bad at them. <laughs> um, but so when you play that game, because we playtested it at Nootopia last year, and you, you as players take on the role of editor, producer, artist so on for a comic book yeah and i was thinking could you have a set of roles for audience members where you say oh. this person is the director this yeah. person is the writer this person is the producer and then maybe anyone who isn't named is the is is just an audience okay and like they're a reader yeah they're a reader or they're a, a viewer and you could do things like the players are just sort of playing. They, um, they're telling a story together and the director could say, cut, go back, do this again. I didn't like yeah. that. Or the editor <laughs> could try to rewrite or oh, give people director. lines. Um, and that the producers could poll the audience to see what the ratings for the show for that, yeah. that section of the game was. And then, then tell the players that. I now want to write a trashy CW show yeah. game. Yeah. So badly. <laughs> this will actually play really well into <laughs> so, I want to do super, so, I want to do Supernatural the game. Yeah. The, like, the game. The show the game. Supernatural the show the game. Yeah. Um this plays really well into actually something else that I was thinking about, which will we shouldn't get into now. Okay. But I but maybe as a is a spoiler for a future episode. Okay. But I've been is in this this quest I've been going on to thinking about reassessing uh all of the things that we think about um as as being integral parts of gaming. Um could you strip away the concept that players play characters? So there's that there's some interesting things that you can point to with that. There definitely are games that the golden box of character control mm-hmm. is less present. Um, the Final Girl is a wonderful little story game that you play in a B movie, and the characters are shared. They're sitting in the middle of the table, and you control them for a scene because they're going to be dying all the time. Yeah. Uh, and that game just it just handles it with shared characters, and you don't need to switch your character. Yeah. But you can. And so I was envisioning just now a game where you play into the TV trope. Right. And you have a GM who's maybe the producer or playing the producery role. You have a player who's playing the character or playing a a director. Yeah. And you have a player who, and the rest of the players are writers. 
Okay. And you would basically take turns explaining scenes for a set of characters you've created. And the director could be like, no, no, no. Like, I'm pulling you off this episode because I don't like the way you're going with this. And mid-episode, change to a different writer. Um, Fantasy movie the game. And then the producer between scenes or between, like, episodes could pull the audience to get ratings. And then yeah. issue mandates or okay. edit- editorial mandates. Yeah. Throwing back to the last episode. Nice. For... Uh, for things that the director and the writer should try to do for the next episode. Look, these two characters, they've got to hook up. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. what the and audience And if it wants. doesn't make sense, then you have to pull, figure out a, a crazy way to make that happen. It didn't work. We're pulling them apart. And so I, some of this oh, is that just... That actually sounds like it could be a really fun... James, I have your <laughs> game project. Yeah. I am pulling you off of Race Engine. Okay. I am pulling you off of Ice Road Truckers. Okay. I'm pulling you off of editing duty. Okay. I, I want to play this game. Okay. CW TV show, the game, yeah, the show, the game. The great thing is that now the episode just won't come out. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, you're pulled off editing duty. And, and so, so some of this is because, um, I, like I have a degree in, in film studies. And so I think about That's these kind of, part of like, the reason I want you to write I it. Think about, I, don't. I think about things in the framework, in the framework of, of, a, of, a, of, of the, the, the sort of the film crew. And it would, it would be kind of funny to do like a little mini episode where we talk about how our how our credentials inform how we run games. <laughs> yeah. Because if you look at Pasión de las Pasiones, it is a Skinner box designed to cause you to do telenovela stuff. Yeah. And I when I GM, if I GM, I lay out scenes and I try to build acts and I get very cinematic. And if I GM, I hand people tiny food pellets. And uh, apply electric shocks. Yeah. Ooh. That was a How good bit. How about this? 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 Players are all hooked up to electrodes. <laughs> and the audience members get to choose if they get an electric shock or not. If they're getting dopamine or an electric shock. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad bit. <laughs> it's a terrible it's a bit. bit. It's a good um, one, though. And so that'll be something I'll have to come back to. But, and yeah. I, but I like the idea of rolling so hard into this, this idea of um, games as cinema, games as films, that you can acknowledge that there is an audience and then use that audience as a way of resolving things. Yeah. I, I kind of want it to be a LARP. Yeah. Like, like in the same way that Ghost, that Ghost Court is a LARP. Like that there are people up in front that are talking and being very serious. And then you've got the audience and you're like, okay, we're bringing like, you know, the episode drops. What's Twitter like? And people shout their tweets. And (laughs) James, this is a winner. Yeah. I need to do this. Yes. Uh, Not that I needed more things. No, but this is, this is the, this is finishing any of them. Yeah. But but, this is the thing you're doing now. I love this. Yeah. So kind of just bringing things together. Yeah. We have looked a little bit at audience's resolution mechanic. I think it's definitely something that has a lot of potential, and I'd love to see some more of it. Yeah. I think audience as interaction, uh, as uh, audience as intrusion, yeah. is something we're already starting to see, and I'd love to see more of. I think that there's mm-hmm. a lot of opportunity for it. I think the arena games especially super benefit from it. Uh, there's a couple of... Uh, worldwide wrestling leagues that i think could really benefit from it yeah and uh i hope that they will continue to use that i really really like the idea of a an observed cipher game with the audience able to give ciphers to i like the that players. too 
Yeah. I really like that. I think we're going to have to play a lot more with it. Yeah. Uh, and I guess now maybe a little bit of hype, hopefully at Metatopia 2018. I'm I'm really hoping to do an actual play. 18? No, no. I'm sorry. 17. At Metatopia 2017. I'm really hoping to do an actual play of Pasión de las Pasiones where we have the audience as an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know <laughs> anything about that yet, yeah. but it, I want to do that. And I think that doing a group writing show game could be really, really cool. Yeah. I want to see that happen. That's that's something that I think we should push. And audience members, if you would like to see that happen, uh, <laughs> tweet uh, tweet at Stop, Hack, and Roll. We should do a weekly poll. With, with what hashtag, game is James going to work on this week? Uh, the, well, there's only one choice this week. Okay. It's hashtag CW the show the game. Yes, hashtag CW the show the game, uh, and we'll tally those up, and James will write it, no matter what the tally is, uh, because rulings not rules. Yeah, you just stepped into the OSR oh zone. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much kind of the core thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, if you've done a game with an audience, yeah, let us know because I'd love to see it, and I know that there is kind of this building setup of these things happening you know actually i was maybe a month ago listening to a masks game on a discord channel and as i was listening to it i was just like rapidly typing up different things that might be things that would be mentioned in a game of issues Mm -hmm. like i was going like oh i love this character's scene in this comic like you know they're oh they were so awesome in the annual it's like, ah, no, none of the artists know how to capture this character <laughs> and just like really getting super meta. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think and especially the thing I want to hear from people is like, so we talked about this for just an hour about now. Yeah. And 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 I think we, we covered a couple really good ways that you can replace sort of more story more game, game aspect, uh, like uh, resolution, resolution mechanics with this, because I think that's an easy jump. And also because we tend to skew a little but i really do like the idea of how how could you change because i mean because this could this could be very important for us what if in the future we want to do a live like show of our of our uh, upcoming 5e podcast then i would love to to let sort of like let the mechanics fall to the side and let the audience be the mechanics yeah and so while while it is nice and good that we were able to come up with some sort of story game substitution mecha- audience substitution mechanics i would like to know how people would do that in in a D in a yeah gerps i guess in a more tra- yeah in, in, in GURPS. i'm that sure i'm sure there's a rule for it in GURPS want, already what we truly want is is gerps rules hacks yeah ideally ones that add more like grit and crunch to it yeah versimilitude yeah yeah we care a lot about versimilitude so do that yeah. Uh, so if you would like to tweet at us to tell James to make CW the show the game, you can do so at Stop Hack and Roll, or you can contact me to contact him <laughs> at Dr. Captain Kobold. Yep. And you can harass me constantly at And the Meltdowns. You can check out our website for all of our episodes and a couple of the games we've been working on. I think the most recent for, or one of the, the most pub, most recent public versions of your game is up there. Um, I want to get a more recent version up there soon. I'm still yeah. kind of battling with how public I want to make the development. Yeah, and that's fair. But we have a couple other small games that we've worked on up there. Uh, and that is www.stophackandroll.com. 
You can also email us scripts for episodes mm -hmm. because at this point we are looking to get some new writers because uh, the the player had to go home to to make uh, dinner. Uh, and you can email those scripts to Brandon or James at stophackandroll.com. And if you would like to be an audience member during a running game, uh, or if you'd like to even be in one of those games, we are trying to run more and more of them at our Discord. Uh, there's just all gaming discussion and game making discussion all day long. It's almost overwhelming, uh, but a wonderful little crew. And we're so happy to be able to chat with all of you. And so come join us at uh, tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about the, game, the up, sort of upcoming podcast that we're working on. Mm -hmm. And all of these sort of new ideas and, and, and all of the, the funding for the podcasts we do now, podcasts we do now, um, are all made possible by um, generous donations through Patreon, by backers like... V. Brower, Stephen Mitchell, Rob Harvey, Declan Chadbourne, Rob Ebrizado, Riverhouse Games, Troy Pitchelman, Ryan, Nick Clark, and Blake Ryan. Thank you guys so much. We just can't. Uh, I just can't. We can't even. I can't even. <laughs> we can, like, um, honestly, anytime I open up the Patreon, I get like a little bit emotional and can't handle it. Yeah. It's it, we're so blessed to be able to do this. Thank so you. Even like I said, even like we've said many times in the past, even the smallest donations help us um, be able to fund the things we do, buy new equipment. There's a whole big list of things that we do with the money. Well, uh, because of the Patreons, we are sitting together yep. recording on like mics that record us really nicely. Yeah. yeah. And so wonderful. Be it be it backing us on Patreon or hitting us up on Twitter or coming to join the conversation in our discord. Uh, any way you can support us. We appreciate because we are, we, because we are fundamentally having these conversations to put into a recorded form, put online. And so as you are listening to this podcast, thinking about how you're grading us and what kind of ratings you would give us, don't forget to stop pack and roll. Joining us today as a guest on our podcast is this lawnmower guy. Well, this lawnmower guy is actually someone who has kind of an interesting backstory. Yeah, yeah what, what are their names? I don't know any of their names. Katniss Everdeen. And Peta. Peta yeah. Bread, yeah. He's a big Peta bread. He is. And then uh, George. Yeah. Um, uh, and the sister. Yeah. And uh, the lady with the Evie. She's an Evie. Yeah. She has like a bunch of different evolutions. She evolves later. Yeah. Um,